Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt 57 I've got all my line mates with me all assembled this evening, and we're all ready to go to sleep after watching the Blackhawks just lose to the Buffalo Sabres three to nothing. Well, I, at least I watch. I don't even know if anyone else did because and you didn't miss anything if you didn't watch it. But uh, before I bring them all in, just want to remind everyone the best way you can support this operation is we continue to be an independent outlet is by leaving us a five star review wherever it is you listen to the, your podcast. Uh, if you leave us a review of four stars or fewer, we assume you're a blues fan and secondcityhockey.com is the website to go to for all our previews and our recaps and our prospect reports and our young guns reports are going to be showing up soon and we might even start looking ahead at the 2024 nhl draft pretty soon because god knows this season sucks out loud but there's going to be plenty of stuff at the website for you to read about uh if you want to support us and get access to some of that exclusive content that we produce there are two tiers for that. One is the Connor Bedard tier at $10 a month. Corey Crawford tier is $5 a month. Either one of those goes a long way towards supporting everything we do here. And if that's not enough for you, we've got plenty of merch that's still up at the website. Uh, Free or well, not free. I wish it was free. I'd love to give it away to everyone. But uh, another way you can support the website by uh, purchasing some of the merch at the website. But without any further ado, let's bring in the rest of the panel who is all assembled this evening. Up first, uh, he is on Twitter at Mill182, and he is the Second City Hockey. What Glenn Danzig is to the Misfits, it's Mill Savage. You know what's funny is I actually kind of like the other Misfits albums without him. So I am uh, far, far too young to be making most Misfits references, but Misfits have been on my mind just because I was – uh, every the last two or three times I've written a Blackhawks preview for the website, all I can think about is just calling them misfits. And then I hear the word misfits and then I think of the band and that's where my mind goes. So here we are. Yeah, and nothing against Danzig. He's like the best, but uh, they had a couple albums in the nineties that I, I actually really like those records, but uh, shout out misfits. Also the Blackhawks should consider changing their helmet sponsor to some sort of sleep aid, maybe Zequil or, they're not quite ambient levels yet, but maybe like a like a melatonin. <laughs> I, my favorite thing about the Misfits logo is I feel like it's kind of like uh, you'll see like like a twelve year old kid wearing a Nirvana shirt, or, and now you'll see like I feel like I've started to see the Misfits logo get appropriated into other things, and and just I feel like nobody has any idea that that was actually a band and uh, in the punk scene a pretty legendary iconic band as well. Um, so. Yeah, it's just funny to see how things get repurposed into like, I, I know pop culture is the term for it, but it gets repurposed and resurfaces into other things. So right on. 
Also with us this evening, she is not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. You guys just talking about that reminded me that for Christmas, I took my nephew to the mall to just do shopping. And um, he was like, I'm really into like the graphic tee look. So do you know any stores that sell graphic tees? And I was like, generic or do you have something in mind? And he was like, oh, I don't care what. And so we hit up like, Hollister and American Eagles because he likes the athleisure wear there and they had a couple of things but then he was like no I want like a, a lot more so I was like okay we're gonna hit up like Hot Topic that's and what I was waiting there. for I was waiting for the Hot Topic reference I was like the wall of tech the wall of t-shirt stores and so he goes into both of them but Hot Topic didn't actually have as many band t-shirts it was a lot of uh, anime cartoons like adult cartoons um TV shows and stuff like that, movies, and he didn't he didn't buy anything in there. And then we went to Spencer's. Spencer's had a oh ton. Spencer's man. I know. I was like, I don't remember the last time I even went into one of those stores. It was really cramped and dark, and I was felt very weird. But he bought a bunch in there, and he came over, and he had the weirdest assortment of shirts. And one was Nirvana. One had Misfits. One was Johnny Cash. One had a rapper <laughs> name I didn't, I can't remember off the top of my head. And I was like, do you know any of these? And he's, no, I think they they just look cool. And I was like, all right, buy what you want. One of them was a race car, it was, race, it was a race car driver. And I was like, a, a NASCAR. And I was like, do you? He's like, no. I was like, NASCAR is boring. And I was like, yeah, but you're about to put on a NASCAR like shirt. And he's like, yeah, but it looks cool. He looks cool, doesn't he? And I was like, I don't know who that is. I don't want. <laughs> How old <laughs> like, is he? He's about to be 16. Oh, uh, yeah. He should definitely tra- start listening to the bands and Johnny Cash, like Nirvana, Misfits, and Cash. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but take him back to Hot Topic and tell him to start listening to some of those bands or Spencer's, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe he he can. I don't know what type of music he listens to because I know he knows all the words to like the weekend songs. So I assumed pop, but he could just, you know, kids today do not listen to like radio. Mm-hmm. So it's not so necessarily genre specific. And then randomly he'll sing things that he's learned from TikTok. Like he was singing Barbie girl <laughs> um, when that was going around oh, TikTok man. for a while. And I was like, you know what that song's about? <laughs> was like, just, you know, those types of things. And um one time I did the, can you name these songs? And he was like, oh, I know all of these from TikTok. And they were just all Eurovision songs. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's. <laughs> so that's how they get, I guess, uh, the Gen Z, you know, young Gen Z. Or I I think he's still considered Gen Z and not Alpha. Alpha's like babies, like young, younger kids. But um, I guess that's how they intake their music now is less about that and more about what they hear from social media or like sharing their lists on i don't know snap or something but yeah that perfect example of you guys saying that it's being retaken into culture is my nephew he was like i see them all the time at school i'm like i bet you none of those children (laughs) capitalism comes for everyone eventually yep Uh, Hopefully also, people think my band shirts are cool so I can start making some money. There, there you go. You just got to get on TikTok, Mel. That's 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 the way to get to the youths. Oh, boy. 
also with us this evening, waiting patiently to be brought in. Uh, he's on Twitter at Eric GEG and the Second City Hockey Pizza Correspondent, which is going to come in handy later in our discussion today. It's Eric Gegenheimer. Uh, when I lived in Los Angeles, I saw Glenn Danzig at uh, Vaughn's in Los Feliz, and he had a shopping cart full of kitty litter. <laughs> so there you go. You did that. Interesting dinner, but, you know, respect. <laughs> You you live there long enough, and you go from like the base level celebrity sightings to like the really weird ones, and that's when it starts to get fun. I feel like anytime I've been in, in Cal, like Los Angeles or like New York, you can see really weird shit, and nobody blinks an eye. But in Chicago is like where you have to have some kind of Midwest normal. David Cross used to have this great bit about living in New York City where he's like every five seconds you, <laughs> you have to make a decision between do you either look at the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in your life or do you look at the craziest person that you've ever seen in your life? And I always felt like that was applicable for New York City. Why not? Why aren't they the same person? Maybe they are. <laughs> why not both? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't think I like... I, I I feel like like Chicago was overwhelming for me at times as someone who grew up in the suburbs. It's just like it's it's a it's a busy city all the time. There's always things going on. Uh, and and I lived in Bridgeport, which is one of the quieter neighborhoods. I think you uh, compared to some of the others. I could not imagine living in a place like New York or L.A. That just would seem overwhelming. Like I remember the one time I been to Times Square. It was on a Sunday night in in fall around like. 1130 at midnight and Times Square was just flooded with thousands of people. Like there was never a time that that place is not just overrun with people. I have no idea how people live like that all the time, every day, everywhere you go. There's just people everywhere all the time. Where's your, where's your quiet bar at the end of the street that you can go to where nobody else will be. You got to earn it. You really got to earn it in New York, but every once in a while, and I've been there, you know, quite a, Quite recently, the last few years, and we have a friend, and she lets us crash at her house a lot when she's not there, which is great. Um, and she lives right off Central Park. And every once in a while, you'll like be in Central Park by yourself for a minute or two, or you know, you'll have some moment where you find some little corner where nobody else is, and it just kind of makes it special in this weird way. But yeah, anywhere you go, it's it's just constant, and it's nice, like as a tourist, to go there and have that if you want it. But living there all the time, you just it has to feel like you know everyone's crawling all over you all the time. Yeah. Um, counterpoint: One time when I went to see Pumpkins in Chicago, Manson was with them, and uh, the Manson crowd looks exactly like what you'd see in uh, Hollywood, like in Hollywood Boulevard. Maybe they so, all traveled for the show. Yes, you could definitely get a little weird in Chicago, but it has to be the right event, I think. Like where everyone's in costume. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. You can. I, I think it's it's just more of a it's more culturally acceptable in California and, and more populous parts of the country to be more eclectic, we'll say. Oh, yeah. Well, that's our show. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, uh, do, do we have to talk about uh, this, this fucking hockey team now, I guess? Who certainly is not eclectic. <laughs> no, no. They are the opposite of eclectic. Uh, like, boring feels like an overstatement for what they are right now. They're just barely existing. 
Um, as mentioned earlier, they, they lost three to nothing to the Sabres tonight. They did beat the San Jose Sharks on Tuesday night in the Macklin Celebrity Bowl. Uh, well, the first chapter of that, I guess it's, it's a three-part series. The Blackhawks won the first leg two to one. Maybe San Jose will catch him on aggregate in the other two meetings that they have. But uh, the Blackhawks are now, after losing in Buffalo tonight, which was supposed to be played Wednesday, but it got snowed out because Buffalo has roughly 18 feet of snow on the ground, I think. Um, they're now, what was it, 0-15-1 in their last 16 road games? Bingo. Yeah, so uh, so that's fun. The last road victory that they had was over – guess who the Blackhawks beat on the road the last time they won a game on the road? Tampa Bay. <laughs> there. All right. Congratulations. You are correct. I just – like I was – I was at – I was looking <laughs> – I, I didn't You're like, your shocked silence was great. It was very yeah. like, oh, well, thanks for ruining this, Eric. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, th- I thought we would at least get to like a second or a third guess, but. They've only won was, four this season. It was the, the smarmy way in which you said it, Dave. I was like, who have they beaten on the road? And I thought They're, about, yeah, th- those two games where they looked competent for a second against Tampa Bay and Florida. Like their their four road victories this season are against four playoff teams. They beat Toronto, Pittsburgh, Vegas, and uh, Tampa. So apparently, that's like the the only time that they have to play the like the best teams in the league on the road, and then they can then they have solid nights. That's the only way, though. I mean, we've kind of seen that uh, extrapolated a little bit more. Like they've gotten up for some games, and then Columbus just like shows up and clowns them or like the Kraken when they were floundering, just, you know, held them down and punched them in the face a bunch. Like, yeah, it's weird. And then they'll beat the avalanche in that game that we went to at home. Like, you know, they'll have some great game or, you know, even they, they hung with Edmonton a little while ago. It's just, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess that's part of being a bad young team trying to find your consistency, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Tampa's probably not going to be a playoff team. Tampa. Tampa. That's good. We'll take that pick then. Yeah. Beat me to it. Um, I know they're technically in a spot, but they're behind points percentage wise. They're behind three teams um, for those wild card spots. So, well, and Brisebois had to come out the other day and be like, we're not trading Steven Stamkos at the deadline. Like, which that's how bad it is. If he has to come out and say that they're on a good little, they're on a good streak of uh win four, but I I think they're, they have like the toughest schedule. One of the, one of the tougher schedules for the end of the year. And then um, the Leafs are skidding, but what's new. Uh, they're getting started on the first round. Early. The, the, Le- the Leafs are leafsing in January instead of April this year. Yeah. Maybe they'll get their, maybe they'll get it out of their system. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, they don't. They still don't even have a goalie. They gotta try to figure out who's gonna blow a three-game lead for them in the playoffs. Oh, I, I, I know, I know a guy who could help them uh, win in the rest <laughs> of the regular season. Uh, trade I, him, I don't trade him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send, send, him, send back. him back over there. Oh, yeah, double dip. Another That'd second. Be fantastic. For it? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, and actually, that's a perfect segue into what we were going to talk about because I feel like. Um, it seems like I think Kevin Weeks actually tweeted out a video of like keep an eye on the contract discussions between the Blackhawks and Peter Morazic as that might be something they do uh, coming up here in the next few days. But the Blackhawks have resigned two players to long term. Well, I shouldn't say long term. Um, 
It'll feel like long term for us. Oh, uh, this 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 any uh, this whole season has felt pretty long term already. Uh, but yeah, the the Blackhawks resigned last Friday. It was Nick Felino to a two year deal, and then it was I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday. But then they they added to, uh, two years to Jason Dickinson's contract. Both of those players were going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of the summer, and now they're going to be around for uh, a few more seasons. And like the the Dickinson signing, like. Both Dickinson and Felino got about right a little bit over four million dollars. It's it's clearly an overpay for both, but the Blackhawks can do that right now because they have uh, just in uh, just absurd, borderline pornographic amounts of cap space available, and plus half their guys are on injured reserve anyway. So what difference does it make? But the the reason I wanted to to bring this up, and I think our one of our it might have been our last episode or a last few episodes where there was a lengthy discussion about Nick Felino and all these these players only meetings and all these other things that he's doing, and they always throw him out. Uh, well, it seems like whenever the Hawks lose, which has been p- pretty much been the staple this season, uh, he's the player who gets thrown out to the media and spouts off a bunch of cliches and then goes back inside the locker room after he's done talking. Um, and like, I, I, I feel like I should preface everything with like Nick Foligno's fine as a hockey player. Um, like he's going to be playing on the third or fourth line. He might get bumped up into the top six because well, the Hawks don't have anybody else right now. But um, I, I think it's just, it was, it was interesting to me that they, like, if you resign a player in January, whose contract was not expiring till the summer, it's like, I feel like that is a sign from the front office that you're that that player means something to you. And, and I, I don't want to like just gloss over everything about uh, this whole leadership and culture and all the stuff they're talking about that Nick Foligno brings to the room. But I it also like, it just seems like there is, there's a, an almost a unnecessary emphasis on all this other stuff that all this um, off eye stuff that Nick Felino brings to the team. Like the Hawks are almost trying to validate it to everyone else when it's like, if they just said, Hey, we need bodies for the next two seasons and he's a decent body. So we're going to keep him around. That'd be fine too. So I, I don't, I don't know. I j- it just, it seems like there's, there's so much of a uh, emphasis on having Nick Felino around and he just doesn't seem that important of a player to this team in the long term. So uh, Betsy, I'll ask you, do, do you, am I, do you think I'm, speaking out of turn here or, or what were your thoughts when that news came down that he's going to be around for a few more years? Well, we can start off by saying we don't actually know how he is in the room, you know, so he could be like whatever's keeping these people sane. We don't know for sure because we're insane as like, we're going insane watching them like and asleep, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe either, he's either like, insane or asleep. One of the two. Yeah. Maybe he's the one keeping them semi awake. I don't know. I, I just know that, it's not the end of the world. It's just, it's a lot for what he brings because I don't care what you do off the ice. You still have to perform and he does fine, but not 4 million fine, (laughs) you know, like over he's getting a raise on this year, which yeah, it's the caps going up. So whatever, but it kind of also indicates to me that they're, they're, they're maybe not because it's a two-year period. They're probably not really going to add anybody again next year. Like I know that, that Davidson has already said that they're, they're going to be more conservative. They're not rushing anything or anything like that, which I'm fine with in general, but 
they have to do something. It can't be like the exact same as this year. You have to let some people go. Um, so fine, sign Felino, sign maybe one other vet that's on this team, two tops. And then you let the rest go because you can't have the exact same team and think it's going to be the same. It's not going to be the same terrible results year after year. Like that's impossible. So it's both. I don't, the whole culture thing, I don't really, it's hard to tell to me. So they also can't come out and just say he's a body, Dave. That's, I, yeah, I know that. That's, that's um, it's a mark, you know, it's a whole marketing ploy and fans eat it up. They like just their tweets about the signing or even in our comments were like, yeah, that's great. He's a great leader and all this other stuff. And they're like, all right. Um, we're at this point, I think we are, as a group here, are at a point where we're like, that's just talk. That's like a moral victory kind of thing. And we would like to see more like tangible victories occasionally, um, not their 16th road loss. <laughs> um, so it it kind of sounds hollow a little bit to us because yeah. he's so far he hasn't led them to anything anything yeah you, like you can't culture a puck into the net like eventually you need hockey players with skill who are going to be like, able to score these he's goals like john, john madden on the 2010 team yeah and, and this, you know and, you know and and like this came up in our in our uh our slack discussions about this like how many cups has nick felino won i i know you don't necessarily have to win a stanley cup to be a good veteran presence in the locker room but if they're going to throw out all these other cliches. That's one of the big cliches that always gets bandied about. And he ain't one shit. Yeah. Eric, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? There's a cynical part of me a little bit that almost kind of feels like, you know, they brought in Felino and Perry to be the leaders and Perry went so terribly wrong that it was kind of like, they're grasping onto Felino a little bit harder to be like, no, see, like, no, we got a good one. No, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's helping out. Um, I don't. It just <laughs> it it feels a little premature and it feels a little unnecessary. I think to me, he's definitely he's not a difference maker on the ice in any regard. Um, I don't know that. He's been, I think, most effective. His most effective role was on has been on the line with Dickinson, and he can help kill penalties a little bit. Um, you know, he's never, I, he's been on and off the top power play unit a little bit, but not really for the most part. He's mostly on the second unit when he's on it. Um, so they're they're pretty much just straight up paying for whatever he does in the room and whatever he does, you know, forward facing for either the, the, the fan base or, you know, to stand there and take the grenades, you know, when mm. they get bombed out of a game and somebody has to answer for it. Um, I don't, to me, I think I would have rather seen, I have no issue whatsoever with the Dickinson signing uh, for the money at all whatsoever either. I think he probably gave up a little bit of term to stay here, but those are, the, I'm more interested in seeing like how Jason Dickinson, a player like that could evolve and be more of a leader rather than just kind of the Felino show that we've been getting. And even like, you know, Dave and I, we were in the locker room 
at one of the prospect tournaments and like Felino came out and did like 15 minutes and talked to everybody. And it just seemed like it's kind of, you know, all the beat guys love him and everything like that because he's a good quote and he'll answer questions and he'll listen and he'll talk. And he seems like an affable guy. Like, you know, he's, he's nice enough. Everybody seems to really get along with him, but I don't know how much you need any of that. The, the thing was supposed to be, you know, they're, they're, these guys are here to help, you know, ward the storm for the season so that they can transition. The younger guys learn how to be leaders and then you see the locker room to them. So this pushes that back a little bit. And so I don't know that it was necessary or that you needed it. You know, I'd rather see some of the younger guys step up and become leaders unless he's doing something that none of us are seeing. Yeah, like that. That's the that's the part of this equation that it feels like they are like assigning Nick Felino as a leader when he's going to be around like for the two seasons of this contract. And like the Hawks may not like. Well, I hope to God the Hawks make the playoffs by the end of that contract. But like after that, like when the Hawks like this thing allegedly really gets off the ground and starts soaring, like he's going to be an afterthought. I don't think in like. The 2028 or 2029 season when the Hawks are in the Western Conference final, hopefully, we're looking back like, man, having Nick Foligno here really helped this team get to where they are. And like there's like little things here and there that I'm sure he can help with uh, and like the transition to being a professional lover player and and the things that are associated with all of that. But um, I, I don't know, like like uh, going back to the other the, the prior era, like, you know, uh, before when and Taves and Kane came in, there were still a few veteran guys around like Marty LaPointe and Robert Lang. Uh, but I don't feel like, you know, I grin, this was 15, 20 years ago now, different era and all that. But I don't like I remember like some vague references at some point earlier in Taves' career to like learned a lot from Marty LaPointe. But I don't remember in the moment there being like this entire uh PR campaign around Mar- Martin LaPointe. So it's just, it's just, it's just bizarre to be the way this whole, whole thing's been going on. Uh, what about you, Mill? What are your thoughts on all this? Well, I wouldn't read that much into it. I mean, I think like you said, they need bodies and not just bodies, but they need veterans who can, they can throw out in front of the media and guys who can play regardless of how good or bad it, at, at an NHL level. <laughs> Cause look at how their roster looks right now. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if they had any type of cap problems or were trying to sign a ton of guys this next off season, I think we could probably read more into it, but I don't think it'll hurt them because even in two years, I think he's the type of guy who you could say, Hey, our team's better. You're going to play on the third or fourth line. And he'll probably say, okay. So I I don't know. I don't read that much into it. It's just like, kind of like whatever makes some sense, I guess. Yeah, like it's it's not like you, like you said, like there there are nowhere near the salary cap floor, let alone the ceiling for next season. They got plenty of money to spend and they're only two year deals. So it's not like they are going to preclude them like from any extensions to any of the other younger players like uh, Bedard's con- initial contract will be up when these two expire. Uh, so he'll be they'll have plenty of money to throw at him. Uh, same with Korchinski. And uh, I, I think a few of the other like uh, Vlasic, I believe his entry deal entry level contract expires at the end of this season. But there the, this does not do any sort of financial issues to them. Like we don't have to worry about the salary cap for at least like two or three more seasons. Um, it's just more of like um, I, I guess like by. My main concern, and if any of the three of you want to jump in here, is as like it's at some point, 
you have to like, I feel like the Blackhawks need to go out and get actual skilled hockey players who could score fucking goals. Like, like that's the thing that's starting to worry me is there's a, you know, they're talking about not doing, it seems like all the tea leaves are that they are not going to make any big acquisitions this summer. And like, I, I get it. Like I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm like, I would have loved them to go sign William Elander this summer. He's not even hitting free agency. Now I'd love for them to go trade for Elias Lindholm. Like Eric suggested a few times. I feel like they're, now would be a great time to do that just to have something for these other young guys to play with. Um, Cause I feel like running it back with mostly the same roster that they have right now and plugging in Frankie Nazer, maybe into the uh, ideally into the top six. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. And at some point, like it, it feels like you are, you're putting so much emphasis or so much of the burden on these young players who are just trying to figure out how to play at the NHL level. And it just seems like you're setting them up for maybe not failure, but just like a lot more disappointment than they need to uh, experience in the first few seasons. I don't know. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? I think unless there's some plan that, you know, Kyle is not talking about the, the one thing that we've heard, I've heard him say a couple different uh, instances is paying over slot, for less term. So to me, that says something like they're going to give Tyler Bertuzzi just to pull a name out, but that oh, type of player, buddy. they're going to give him like $15 million for two years. It's going to be one of those types of things where they overpay someone to get them to come here to have some type of talent. And then that helps them hit the floor but it's going to be a guy that they don't expect to be here long-term that maybe they could even move for some point if they want to. I'm they're going to have to sign a couple people like that because again, we keep talking about it. They have to hit the floor and the list of available players is dwindling by the moment. You know, everybody's re-upping and they're signing deals. So it's, that's that's what's going to be out there still you know fingers crossed that maybe like Lindholm makes it to free agency um other than that you know tavo tavo will probably yeah, make it to free agency too bring him um, bring him back <laughs> i don't think anybody would have a problem with that but that's the, that's my worst fear is that it's you know two years 16 million dollars for tyler bertuzzi or someone kind of yeah. like that where it's like, well, yeah, he's he's been top six everywhere, but it's like, yeah, he's been he's top six on the Maple Leafs, but he's like barely number six, or you know, he was on a bunch of really bad Red Wings teams. So like that type of player, that that's unfortunately you know the, the thing that I think of when I hear what Davidson has said so far. And I'll, I'll I'm gonna piggyback on that because I would much rather like if that's the plan right now, he needs to fucking scrap it, and um. Even if he doesn't go after big names like what we want, like not not even big names, but at least talented players, they need to go after. Like maybe Davidson's deciding that he's going to try to make actual like uh, hockey deals with like swapping kids or something like that, like the Drysaddle uh, Gautier kind of thing. Uh, fuck. There's so many examples of I'm trying to my brain is up braining tonight. I'm sorry. But I want to point like a, a team can be good and young. The New Jersey Devils are a perfect example of that. They're technically younger 
currently, if you go to like left wing lock, they'll like whatever the age of the team that's playing their lines, you can sort by age, height, and weight anytime you want during the season. It's based on their lineup right then. So they shuffle around and stuff like that. The Devils are technically practically the same age as the Blackhawks right now. New Jersey Devils, their age is 26.7 and the Blackhawks are 26.8. So they, you can be a good team and be young. You just have to like go out there and get them. And I think some of that is because I don't think Hamilton's still not playing, right? No, no he's yeah, not. he's um, out. Well, Maybe until the playoffs. And, and you beat you beat me to the thing I was going to jump in and say that it was and it was this it was last summer it was in uh, the summer of twenty two when they threw money at Dougie Hamilton to get a number one defenseman onto their blue line. Yeah. So you know but they that, still have a ton of you know young kid like the Hughes, uh, yeah, Justin the, Brad, Hughes, uh, the other Hughes, you know, <laughs> yes, sure. Um, yeah, Ford, uh, Mercer, Holtz, yeah, they Holtz, got a bunch of yeah, they have guys. a bunch of young kids um, on their team right now, and they're doing very well together. And you have to figure like there's got to be some good combination of young kids and vets because they do have they obviously have some vets in there too. Um, better vets than the Blackhawks do. But mm. some of those vets are also people that you feel like are on the wrong, like Tyler Toffoli, mm. you know, like you're like, all right, he was good once. Like he was a, <laughs> he's an actual Stanley cup winning. He was, not, on, no. he was on that seventies line with the Kings and the, in the mid teens. They have one of the triplets, just like we do. There's just a yeah. better triplet. Yeah. Um, uh, and Tyler Toffoli's not like it's funny because he's got 29 points in 49 or 42 games, which is not that dissimilar from like uh, what is that 0.7? So that would be that's really good. He is playing with Hughes. Um, yeah. I think some of that has to do with it, but it's like once they did Hamilton, you were like, okay, the 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 devils are starting to be serious, but the like two years prior to that, which is a where where I think the Blackhawks are, they were still doing what I think what Davidson is doing, which is collecting mid to low tier forwards as placeholders, um, and it and it just what it had, and then letting the young kids get into the lineup and let them like saturate a little yeah. bit. It's it's just um, I feel it's like. You know, like Bedard's going to be okay. He he's going to be fine. He's he's a a one of one talent. He's going to be fine. But it feels like some of the other guys who might need some help along the way, the Lucas Reichels of the world, if you were maybe, and maybe Frankie Nazer will need some help, and maybe like Paul Ludwinski or Ryan Green or some of these other prospects who are coming up along the way, like. Maybe they need to be like the passenger on the line, not the guy driving the line that they're on. And it will be nice to have more veteran players around them that they could be paired up with who can like there was an uh like like this tonight's a kind of a tough example because there's so many guys hurt but a- as an example of of the situation like Lucas Reichel got the puck on the power play he was on the top of the dot or he was on the wall near the top of the faceoff circle and he made this awesome no look pass all the way across the ice to Jason Dickinson who's having a very good season 
And as we've talked about, he's he's going to be a a perfectly fine bottom six player for the next two seasons with his team and maybe even beyond because he's only 28 while Felino, I think, is about to turn 37. Uh, but Dickinson is not really a power play type of forward. And it was a hot pass, hit Dickinson stick and and exploded on him and, and nothing happened out of that play. If it's somebody who has more offensive talent, you know, like if that was Connor Bedard, that might be a goal. But and so instead, Lucas Reichel doesn't get that assist. And I, um, you know, obviously, like Bedard is the, you know, not everyone can be Connor Bedard's line mate. But if the Hawks had other players who were able to turn the offensive player, offensive situations into scoring chances or goals, I feel like that would help the development of players other than Connor Bedard because that seems like that's the only guy who's the only young guy who's really flourishing right now among the Fords, at least like him and Kurashev. That's about it. He's cause he's that talented. Yeah. Like he's that, he's that talented. He can make up for it. He's the only one that anybody else has to scheme for or worry about. And they're letting yeah. everyone else beat them, but they just don't, they don't have the talent on their roster to compete with pretty much every other team in the NHL right now yeah. and even more so with Bedard out you know and and that's what we've seen we've seen Bedard get frustrated we've seen him go through streaks where you know he'll have a couple games where he's not even really able to generate many shots and that's just because other teams are keying on him so you would think like oh that opens opportunities for Reichel or that opens opportunities for some other players to step up and score but we we just have not seen that this season yeah, and I mean, again, if, if passes prologue, the season before the Hawks made even made the playoffs, so this is Taves and Kane's rookie year, uh, that team also had Patrick Sharp and Robert Lang and Jason Williams and Martin Havlett. Like, that that right there is a pretty decent top six. Um, and, that, and that team missed the playoffs by a handful of points, I believe. It was like three points. But yeah. the 06-07 Hawks the year before they came were near, not nearly as bad as, as this Hawks team. No, no. Again, because that team had Martin Havlett, who he only played 56 games that year. Him and uh, Redeem Verbata were the he was a, he, he was somewhat of a star. Like, he wasn't – I'm not saying he was like a superstar, but he wasn't just like an NHL caliber player. Like, he was a good player. Yeah, he he was like – a point per game in a, in a lot of seasons throughout his career. Um, He's a legit all-star. Yeah. And like, and, and like, again, they did try to get Taylor or they did get Taylor Hall. So they tried it a little they bit. They got the corpse of Taylor and, Hall. And, yeah. Yeah, it is, exactly. It is. Yeah. It, like a guy who's been hurt for much of the last decade got hurt again. So it's like, it's, it's like trying to walk the line of like the Hawks. I feel like they have, there's some acknowledgement that there was some effort to get some players here. And like, you know, we like Andreas often has been hurt for four months, I think. And He's Taylor Hall's out for the season. And yeah. All these other was on the, on the fourth line way too much. Yeah. My, the whole, you guys talking about the previous Blackhawks, it's just a perfect example of how different the situations were because yeah. The Blackhawks had been building a pretty robust prospect pool at that point, which is why the 2010 team is so young. And they didn't just draft them. You know, they they got people like Ladd and stuff like and and Sharp even from trades and everything like that. So the Blackhawks, when they got Bedard, had almost zero prospect, like zero prospects that were forwards that were even like top nine, really, you know, potential under lots of defensemen 
And we're seeing that, but very much devoid of that. So it's why there were a lot of people like, oh, well, it was it only took them three years after drafting Kane. And it's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's definitely. No, you're right. I kind of I don't know if I ever posted it, but we, I wrote something about this saying, hey, like this is this kid's a star, but it's not the same as before because he doesn't have literally anybody. Yeah. Took, look at look at previous like again bring up the Devils. It's been four years since Jack Hughes was drafted, and the Devils are good, but are they a legit contender this year? Maybe if Hamilton's back, um, yeah, maybe like, right. Exactly. Maybe. And the, they also not. they already had Heischer too, so they already had a number another number yeah. one pick in their yeah. system when they got the, Hughes. Exactly. So. Go back to the the Avalanche is another example. It took them how many years after they got McKinnon, and they already had. Landeskog, who was also, you know, yeah, and after McKinnon, they had like that bust ass year too to to get another draft mm. pick. Yeah, they, the year that the Patrick Waugh year. Yeah, yeah, that they they rode their PDA or PDO all the way to what they shouldn't have, like destruction. Yeah, um, and then look at McDavid, and they still got like their eye title with him. Like it is, they're re- still paying for having Gretzky up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to build a hockey team, and. We we're complaining right now that Davidson is maybe not he's he's taking a very patient approach to it, which is interesting considering like his job is on the line too. So there's gotta be like some amount of progress that has to be made slowly. But like how many GMs have, have the devils gone through because they've picked top ten in a lot of drafts recently. They have a lot of um top ten kids. <laughs> So it's like, how how much leash does he have? Um, and we're setting this as like, well, maybe it's in two years, um, which is not a bad like time frame. But you're also like, will they actually be like a contender then? Or are you talking about just maybe making the playoffs? Right now, it's hard to see that happening because we don't have, again, it's just Bedard. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kershev. Maybe Freichel can figure it out. And then we have... Vlasic is practically the only like sureish thing on the the blue line from prospects. Mm-hmm. You hope Korchinski is there, um, and he's been fine, but he hasn't True. been like. Yeah, he's, he's he's trending in that right way, but you, it's it's too hard just to to pen him in to any long term yeah. stuff. And they haven't given anybody else enough. Like Phillips has looked great when he's in the games, but the same mistake, like he can make a mistake that is obviously inexperienced and get benched forever. And then Tenorti can like, I don't know, be stuck in sand. Like he's been cemented to the ground or something like that against (laughs) one of the fastest teams in the league. And he still, you get the whole, you know, he's, he's as disappointed in in himself as we, you know, he, he's taking it tough and then get put in the game again. And you're like, please, or when he uh, chases a hit at center ice and lets a two-on-one happen behind him. I yep. It happened Tuesday night like, against San Jose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, there's there's parts where you're like, I'm a little iffy on some of this, too. <laughs> uh, and another reason why you're like, I, I'm against Davidson going out and getting just placeholder veterans. He has to go out and either get quality ones or just don't get them at all because Richardson wants to play those guys with the kids. He want like he even said at one point like I know we were talking about the fourth, but he specifically said that he wanted to do that with defense. You know, like mm-hmm. he wanted to make sure that they each had like 
a guy and you're like, but the guy shouldn't be Tenorti. <laughs> <laughs> like, can it be a different guy? Um, no, Zaitsev finally started to look all right. And then now yeah, he's, yeah, now he's, he's on injured forever. reserve like it's everybody exactly. else. Yeah. yeah, They didn't say the guy. They just said a guy, I think. <laughs> some guy. Some guy. Some guy. Yeah, some guy. <laughs> It could be a different guy. <laughs> Literally anybody, like show up in a Hawks jersey. <laughs> no, like Magna's a, a guy, and he's been alright. He's been fine. I have no yeah. complaints about him. He's just, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, uh, I wanted like Jacob Magna when he grew up in I think Northbrook. They said so. He like he talks about going to Hawks games when the stadium was empty. I'm like I, I want to talk to him about. I want to play. Remember some guys with Jacob Magna. See what see what he remembers yeah. from the, those days. He's a, he, they can keep him and then let the other two walk. But you know. They keep bringing up this whole, like, well, they need Tenorti's physical presence on the blue line. I'm like, do they? They do not. <laughs> no, they don't. Five that foot eight. A- Cole Gutman just got out there and was I know. dropping I was like, bombs the other way. Watch, yeah. like, who was the most physical, like, aggressive physical player on the 2013 to 2015 team? It Duncan was Shaw. Keith. Oh, yeah, Shaw. Okay. No, Shaw. no, Duncan Keith was rage. <laughs> well, okay. well, I mean, if you're talking about good at Shaw, but generally, I think Brandon Bullock still was on that roster. <laughs> well, ugh, ugh. maybe the suckiest suck who ever sucked. <laughs> pretty, pretty sucky. And Quinville yeah. played him in his Stanley Cup game. Last yeah, we fucking I'm, forget. I also yeah. don't think I. I don't know if Bullock was actually more physical than Shaw. Maybe he hit more, but like Shaw used to finish those checks like it was. All he could do, like somebody yeah. like spit on him and he was like, I am going to knee you in the kidney, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing like, about Bullock. He would finish a check. Just sometimes he was just checking himself into the board. Yeah. I was like, he would try to be aggressive. Um, the phrase, uh, take himself out with a hit was yeah. when I first started using it was applying to him. Andrew um, Shaw reminds me, it reminded me like Bobby Boucher in the water boy when he would go into <laughs> like that's. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's like a little kid tantrum when yeah. it's just like too much energy and they can't control themselves and you just gotta hit something or poke something or but i'll i will always love him for that header that header is mm. just oh chef's kiss especially to right after it went in and for like two minutes on twitter everyone was like wait a minute can you do that you can't do that right mm. can you yeah. I like that everybody was like, look, I know it's against the rules, but it shouldn't be because it just looked that cool. That, I don't think anybody cool. ever tried to like hit the puck with their head ever we need before. To, this yeah. rule, I am totally ready to adopt this across all sports, but we just need to implement the rule of uh, it looked cool, so it stays. Yes. Yeah, in hockey and uh, you should, catches in yeah. football, catches in baseball, uh, dunks or whatever in basketball. It was cool, therefore it stands. Honestly, a sick dunk over somebody who's defending you should be four points in basketball. Yeah, if you make somebody look like an idiot, that should give you extra points. It's just a fact. The, then the 2013 Hawks would have had even more points. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully the future Hawks will too, because hopefully Bedard is making people look idiotic at some point. Yeah, he just needs some line mates, that's all. And not just some guy. <laughs> can you imagine what it'll be like when somebody can actually like pass to him and set him up and he doesn't just have to go do everything himself or somebody can receive his pass (laughs) that too i i will say he he does have to adapt and you can tell as the season has progressed he has gotten better at it because 
I think I brought this up before, but like Patrick Kane is a perfect example of a playmaker that adapted his playmaking style to who he played with. Um, it's why he could work with players that were quote unquote under like a lower quality. Andrew Shaw, another reference to him because that one, his line in 2014 with Brandon Saad and Shaw, um, okay. they played. Oh, yeah. It went, uh, they it got, went, it went nuts in the postseason. Yeah. But they, yeah. so Quinville, you know, he liked to rotate uh, Kane with the lower lines. Right. And obviously it didn't do much when it was with like Kruger and stuff, but um, that like Shaw's most common line mate was Bickle and Kane, but not necessarily at the same time. And this was when they were rotating Saad down there a lot. And they played a lot together and weirdly would score often when Kane was just rotated down there briefly. So the minute they put them together for that playoffs, I remember being like, well, if they can expand that sample. And then they, of course, went off and did magic. But Andrew Shaw is not a fancy player. And he is not necessarily, like, he is able to work with higher quality players. You call him, like, the Swiss Army Knife kind of guy. But Patrick Kane definitely was able to change up how he did stuff. And I think Bedard could do that very easily. I think McDavid does it. I think Crosby does it. It's one of those skill sets that, like, really high-end players do. Um, It's why they can play with guys like Chris Kunitz or, you know, anybody else and make them look like all-stars. And I think Bedard can do it, but they can't be fourth-liners. You know, like, it at least has to be a middle six guy. He can make them look like a first-liner. He can't. He, he can't bring somebody back from the dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have to have some kind of like um, just hands in general or they can like receive a pass. Yeah, like mildly good and and Bedard can do the rest. But yeah, I think that's why Kurashev works with him so well. I don't, Kurashev is not a top line player and I don't know if he ever will be, but he can work with them. He can play with them. You just, yeah, you just need one more really good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kershev could totally be our Chris Kunitz. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep him here until he's like 50. Yeah. And, and then we'll go play. to the Olympics because it was. <laughs> oh, no, he's not Canadian. All right. Well, we started talking about Chris Kunitz, so I think that means it's time for a little break. So we're gonna, I thought you were going to say it's time for a drink. You know, that, uh, not, you know, Whatever you do in your break. Hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't judge me, Mel. What? Oh, uh, but we no are ju- this is a no judgment podcast. Outstanding, yeah, yeah. Especially after the hockey we've been watching lately. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna, we're going to take a little break, uh, break or a break. Uh, come back on the other side of this little break, and we're going to talk about some more uh, hockey stuff on the other side of this timeout. Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and we did have a few more hockey topics to get into on the other side of uh, that little brack there, um, and it's mainly. Uh, Eric has been perusing the internet for some uh, some trade talk, uh, and I think that's going to be an interesting conversation uh, over the next month or two because now that the Blackhawks have resigned both Dickinson and Felino, um, the number of players that the Blackhawks are going to that would possibly fetch trade returns from other teams uh, feels like it just shrunk by two. So uh, I'll just throw it over to Eric and see what what have you heard. Uh, heard or read or seen or whatever uh, information has come across your airwaves lately. So there's two players that all of a sudden are being mentioned in connection with the Blackhawks, as far as the Blackhawks being interested in possibly acquiring them. Um, So this is kind of a good segue because one of them would 
in theory, if they were to look into this player, it would be because they are deciding not to extend Peter Morazic, um, which kind of feels like it might happen any minute now, at least from, you know, what mm-hmm. Kevin Weeks said the other day and kind of the, the way that he's been playing lately. And, um, you know, it's, it just seems to be in the air. But uh, Elvis Merzlikens wants out of mm-hmm. Columbus. Yes. He has not been good if he ever was um, for quite a few years now. And he's owed a pretty substantial amount of money for, I believe two more seasons after this one, he is only 27 years old. He's showed some flashes every once in a while. Um, he's had, I guess a couple of behavioral things, including punching Tom Wilson in the face uh, a couple of <laughs> that's couple okay. weeks ago. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's a plus. Like I want him now. Uh, Columbus did not see it as so. And um, so I guess, he got into it with someone and pulled himself from a game, which he's done a couple times now. And so they sat him for a few weeks and now they're looking to move on from him. But the interesting part about it to me is um, the mention that because he is still owed so much money, the Hawks are obviously one of the few teams that could take him, but they would want something else with him in order for them to take on his deal. So I think that that's kind of interesting because if Mrazek keeps playing well, and if you can get a second or third round pick for him, and that also opens the door for you to take another player back who is not probably the goalie that Mrazek is, or at least what Mrazek has been so far this season, but you're getting something else with that player, whether that's a pick or some type of further down the line prospect. I think that that's, that's a little bit more interesting to me, maybe necessarily than, just re-upping Mrazic. And again, it helps you get to the floor because Merlik, Merzlikens, I think he makes 5.7 or close to six, something like that. Um, so you'd have that on your books for two more years. And then he's he can come in, he can play a bunch of minutes. You're not really concerned what the future is with him down the road. It's it's weird to talk about that because their save percentage is like basically the same. One is uh, Elvis is... Uh, 906 and Mrazic is 907 and their GEA is pretty similar. Their goal saved above average is not that far off from each other as well. Um, Columbus is not a good team <laughs> either. Can, so, can confirm. Um, and technically both of them are above average for this season because weirdly this season's save percentage normally is hovering around, you know, 0.914, 9.15, something like that. It's 9.04, the lowest it's been in a while. Last year, everybody was like, oh, that's a new low because it was 9.05. It's 9.04 right now, <laughs> which is a ridiculously low. Either scoring's really up or goalies are really sucking. Um, but either way, both of them are technically above average. So theoretically, I guess you could swap them and the Blackhawks would probably be about the same. Um I wouldn't be opposed to that if you got something back for it. It's the cap hit that's the problem, not the the player necessarily. But I, again, it's that two year window that you know they hit those extensions in two, and before you really have to start paying anybody. So, and the cap hit, it's not like it's Bobrovsky or anything like that. Yeah. I, well, I just the things you mentioned about uh, taking himself out of games and all that. I just hear. Uh, cultural issues and boy that really would rub nick felino the wrong way if they brought him to town so <laughs> i guess that's not going to happen they played together oh well 
Yeah, him <laughs> maybe and, him maybe and, Felino's already vetoed this trade. Then him and Seth Jones and Felino, and they all played. Maybe together. it's an they're, inside they're deal, boys. or Felino's telling him how to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we're slowly becoming the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. No. <laughs> no. that's, that's like the the White Sox are slowly becoming the Kansas City Royals, who suck out loud. So uh, the last thing you want to do is become the team that hasn't won anything in the last. Ever, ever, ever. Hey, the Roy- well, the Royals won a World Series okay. re- like in the last decade. Yeah. Sobers, baby. Okay, but yeah, but like uh, the the Columbus Blue Jackets have not won neither Jack nor shit. <laughs> yeah, in that order too. They there's been some famously pretty bad trades between the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets too. Yeah, the, the, the Blackhawks side of it. Yeah, have they ever made a good trade with Columbus? I do not think so. I think all of them have been really, really bad. Sod comes to mind. Which time? Yeah, bad. Yeah, they're all bad. Bad. <laughs> bad. Really bad. Yeah, God. Yarmo was just like, Ew. oh, I could just see him laughing like, oh, shit, Bowman's on the phone again. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think Bowman just like would get really drunk and then make trades? Well, his problem, like, he was fine as long as he had constraints. You know, the, when he had the cap, the, for some reason he made smart interesting moves like nobody can tell you that oduya was not like one of the best moves anybody could have made yeah Um, one of the better ones for sure like and he has he had a bunch of them um for a while there you were like hey this guy is legit the minute you gave him any space he was like a kid in a candy store but it was all really bad shit you know like it was like i'm gonna go get candy corn you're like stop doing that (laughs) don't candy corn's gross Get something better than that. You I have, just think it's funny you have to more than five dollars. You shouldn't spend it on that. I just think it's funnier to imagine him drinking a bunch and then getting on the horn and being like, "Hey, you all." Maybe he went to a liquor store. I don't know. He, he, he may have candy in this. A kid in a liquor store. Kid in a liquor store buying really cheap booze because he doesn't know any better. Um, he thinks he's but, it, but in large quantities, don't do it. Yeah. Hi. I'd like the whole palette of um, Bush Light, please. Like great. Yes. Uh, we'll trade you um Brandon Saad and then we'll trade back for we know yeah, Saad was to Columbus first, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then he traded for him back and yeah. then for Aaron. to to Colorado for the third time in Boston. Because I rem- I remember like working at the store at the time and like getting a bunch of like being pissed about the Saad thing and then being like uh Wow, we have Art, uh, not Panarin, we have uh, Artem Anisimov t-shirts. Wow. Wow, God. Uh, the the worst part of the the initial sod and later, like John Merson was traded. I can't remember which one of them was traded first. I just remember I was in a meeting at work and I like was like, guys, I have to go for a second. I know I'm really not supposed to be on the uh, internet. Hammer was so first. I was like, I yeah. know I can be on the internet for this, but like. Everybody knows we're on our, our computers, not listening to this meeting, and I got to go. And I walked out of the room, and before I even went back in there, I think Brandon Saad was the, the second one was traded. And I just walked over to the one person in the new hockey, and I was like, I'm just going to sit here for a little while. <laughs> he was like, he was like this know, is our, the, That was when Q stormed out of the room or whatever, but I yeah. went, that was the first day of the draft in Chicago. I went that day. I was at work, and I'm sitting there doing traffic for my inventory like grabbing sod stuff off of sale racks and putting it back on normal price other than other than the dismantling of the 2010 caps after they were goalied 
Has there yeah. ever been a bigger overreaction to a playoff series? Like probably I get that not. it was embarrassing to be in hockey, probably not by the Preds, but like, come yeah. on. That was that was yeah. a rough time. I, I did a quick uh, search through the cap friendly history and the, the the two trades that come out maybe as equal because there were uh, players that never really did anything after the trade. You have uh, JF Barube for Jordan Schrader or Tim Erickson for Jeremy Morin. So those are your options. Poor <laughs> Jeremy Morin. How many times did they trade him? Oh. Uh, he, oh, yeah, they did bring him back for a second. It was yeah. like three or four. And what was the very last trade where he got tacked on? Where he must have, I'm just imagining him being like, what the fuck? Like, like he, he had been gone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Where is Freeborn now? Um, but the, there was one more trade, too. And we talked about it a little bit in our Slack. And we talked about this type of person just a couple minutes ago in that they need to get someone like that for Bedard. And that's Zegris. Um, it sounds like Zegris is definitely out there, even though he's hurt okay. right now. And for whatever reason, Verbeek, he wasn't Verbeek. Verbeek never picked him. And he doesn't seem to care for him particularly much. And he's another guy who in Zegris that he's still kind of trying to figure it out and find his way. And we've seen like flashes of what he can do and what he can become. Um, but the thing that Betsy and I were kind of going back on the most is, and I think this is the most interesting part. If Zegris is out there is how you figure out what he's worth in a trade. Like yeah, what sure. would you give up to acquire him? Because you don't know what type of player he is yet. Yeah, I, well, f- well, first off, like when the thing came out about, I think it was uh, Frank Saravelli's, uh, he put together like the top 25 or whatever trade targets. And even seeing Zegers on there was a shock to me because I was like, oh, this guy's for sure part of the future. And it seemed like it was more of a speculation by Saravelli than necessarily him reporting that he was on the block. But like, it does seem like there are, logical conclusions to be drawn and, and like that the the speculation that is there has some merit to it and that the things you said uh, Eric about uh Zegers was not drafted by the current GM and that uh Pat uh a guy who I believe his playing nickname was the little ball of hate uh that he may not he may not envision a type of hockey that Trevor Zegers likes to play so I could like I see that connection I'm I'm still I can kind of see that when they pick because they they drafted. Yeah. yeah, they took they took Carlson. Yeah, they, they took Carlson over Fantilli. Fantilli, who you know, and I, even just the Drysdale move too. Like yeah. he he's very much he wants his team set up to be a certain way, and Zegras seems like kind of a square peg for yeah. the vision of the team because he wants a two way team. And that's why they took Carlson is they felt like Fantilli is going to be a winger and Carlson's better defensively. At least that's everything that they've said. So Zegers doesn't necessarily and Drysdale, they don't necessarily fit that bill. They should have, um, they, they shouldn't. That's like saying you shouldn't have taken Patrick Kane, like the Blackhawks, <laughs> you know, like it's one of like, obviously I'm not saying Zegers is Kane, but it's that type of, like if you had all Taves's, would they have won? I'm, I don't. Taves was really good, but you still have to have diversity of player in your lineup. Yeah. You now like I agree with you. Yeah, completely. Yeah. 
Well, hey, Granted, I, it is an interesting uh, idea if they had 12 Jonathan Taves. I know. It like, would be a pretty good team. That I, would be my I favorite they team. Would, but like, I feel like... It, that does sound like a or, Sam Bowman special, though, to go or, after Zegris, who was a, a, a first-round pick that's scuffling a little bit. Well, actually, or, the perfect example was Eric and I originally, I said his stats, Zegers' stats kind of remind me of up to year three to bring it. But then I was thinking about it. Maybe he's closer to like a Schmaltz. So if you're talking about like, what is his value? Maybe it's closer to a Nick Schmaltz uh, because while Zegers had better draft capital, obviously their Schmaltz actually has done better in his first couple of years, three years in with the Blackhawks um, than Zegers has done in his first three years with the Ducks. Now, of course he played with Patrick Kane. So maybe people would look at that differently but if you're looking at like maybe a potentially comparable return maybe something like that like schmaltz got dylan strome yeah got strome but and perlini um yeah who actually was the better performing player at that point yeah strome was literally he had three points in less than 25 games and was playing fourth line minutes perlini was like a point four two or something like that um, in a very small sample, but yeah. yeah. Mill, what were you going to say? Oh, yes. instead of 12 Jonathan Taves, what about one Jonathan Taves size Patrick Kane? <laughs> <laughs> okay. honestly, honestly, that would be, <laughs> uh, be pretty sweet. Uh, that would have been. I mean, not that Taves isn't huge, but we're veering into super fans territory over <laughs> yes. here. Yeah. What I if, mean, uh, that's kind what of if what the hurricane was named Patrick? The hurricane is also named Dicka. <laughs> yeah. What if Dicka no. was what if Dicka was on the 2013 box? So what do you think Anaheim would want? I guess that's my question. Uh I mean Do the Blackhawks have anything that they could give up? I mean, obviously they have Seth a Jones. of draft picks. Oh, I would love to Seth give up Jones. Seth Jones. That would like, be fantastic. I, I That'd think be hilarious. Like, I like I don't know if the Hawks are at the point where they're going to be trading any of their prospects. Cause again, it seems like Davidson is still very much in a uh, hoarding picks and prospects, not giving them away yet. Mm. But if the Hawks get to a point, like they have so many blue line prospects, there are not that many roster spots available at the NHL level. So eventually like some of these guys can probably be used as yeah. uh, pieces and uh, chips and other trades. Like, um, not to Anaheim who has just as many. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause and, and, they and, could and, dry and, because they have fuck ton of defense. Yeah, so, they have, they have really good young D. Yeah. So, and, and if Anaheim trades one of their young Ford prospects, then they're creating a, a, a hole in their own system. So, yeah, I think it starts with at least a first. And if Tampa doesn't make the playoffs, Maybe that first isn't enough plus something, but the Blackhawks unfortunately do not have the whole reason that they'd want to get Zegers is because they don't have any potential top lines outside of hopefully Nazer. Maybe Reichel gets his you know head straight. Hopefully he's just lack of quality line mates. He's still really young for impacting the NHL that kind of stuff more. Um, oh but- yeah. That's pretty. Those are the top. Those are the top two. You've got Ludwinski doing his thing. Gavin Hayes is doing some good shit. You know, you've you've got kids that maybe could be something. Colton Dot could be something. That's a lot of maybes. You yeah. know, that's, that, that's all. That's all we got right now. We're maybe. Yeah, those would are, be and, sweet. And none of them, except for Nazer and Moore, have first round, like 
draft capital at least, at least yeah. name like players that that a team would know and can can be like, oh yeah, that they have name recognition at least somewhat. Um, which I feel like sometimes is a thing that like when when we got the the, the trade for Strom and Perlini, everybody was like both of them are former first round picks. So at least that's something, but both of them were very unknowns, but at least Strom had pedigree, you know, like. <laughs> it, it was OHL with us, uh, Alex to pedigree, but it was pedigree yeah. nonetheless. And being, McDavid. Being drafted, and McDavid yeah. yeah. Being drafted so high. Yeah. Um, that too, For sure. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think the, the, it'd be hard. It's hard to imagine the Blackhawks currently have, a package that could pull that. Um, I think it, it would, it would just hurt. It would hurt. It would, it would probably be one of more or Nazar. I would assume. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then you're just, um, you're just getting a slightly older version of what you hope Nazar becomes. Because I like Zegers is scuffling a bit this year, but he does have uh, some pretty good seasons. All, I believe this is his third season. So he, and he yeah, had a pretty good start. That's why I was career. saying he's like, Schmaltz, Schmaltz had a very low, he had a, he had a bump, he had like a little bit of a slump with the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks pulled the trigger on that real fucking quick. Um, but yeah, I do love Zegers. I think he has some of the most like unique hands, like creative hands in the NHL. Like, I feel, like if you put him with, you'd hopefully put him with Bedard and they could just that- be magic. That that's that's video game shit. If you could yeah, those two guys sweet. together, yeah. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You, 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 have I mean, to, you have to lean into Zegers not being a center though. He's not. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Put him in. No, and he's uh, Bedard is. Put him right next to him. Right. Exactly. Fine, by, fine by me. That'd be funny if they had Kurishov on the other side then, and he picked up a ton of points. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Kurishov's got to do that right now with Bedard. So I mean, is, yeah. boom, you've got you've got. Uh, like obviously Bedard is more talented and not exactly the two-way player, but you've got a line not unlike in terms of like full quality of a Kane, Taves, Sharp kind of line where, yeah, I mean, like you could do it. Neither none of them, only only Kershaw can really play defense, but. Um, Who needs defense? No, when you, if you have the puck enough, that's, that's defense in its own. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not a defender. I'm a scorer. Charlie Conway was right. <laughs> yeah, she said Coach O'Ryan uh, uh, Richardson is not. <laughs> well, that's. I will, I, I will say though, if if Zegers isn't the type of player that they want in Anaheim, I also don't know if the Blackhawks have that player either. I don't know if Moore or Nazar are two way enough themselves. Hmm. So they he, they may not appeal to Pat oh. Verbeek as well. Now more maybe more than Nazar, um, just because more can use his speed in a different way. I think, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's a really it's a weird situation. I'd much rather give up a defenseman, but I'm also very like I like them all. <laughs> I, want to see, I want to see them in the NHL before they make. Yeah. And well, actually, and I don't. Go ahead, Eric. No, I was going to say, I don't know that they have any defensemen that are that level to put in a trade for a player like Zegers right now. I don't think they could trade Korchinski, and you definitely don't want to give up Vlasic. Anybody else besides that is still a pretty significant project. Well, what about uh, AHL All-Star Ethan Del Mastro? Um, 
I like Del Mastro. No, I, think, I, I, I did too. I, I didn't. I didn't want that to come across as an insult. I, like that's you know. I don't think. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to put him in the uh, Norris or <laughs> Norris or even like the Calder Trophy discussion when he eventually makes his way to the NHL. But if he's playing in the AHL and he gets happened to be named an All Star, he's making sounds like he's making a pretty good use of his time while he's down there. So that's nothing about that is bad for him to be named an All Star. So no, not not at all. I think I pointed that out in our Slack, but the the Hogs are shallow as fuck. Um, well, yeah, because so, half their team's at the NHL level right now. Yeah, I mean, or on the Blackhawks injured reserve. Yeah, if Mike Hardman is one of your top players, yeah. like a legitimate top four on your team, that's not great. No, um, no. I think Doc Doc might have gotten it if he hadn't been hurt. Not because Doc was necessarily like the best player on the team, but just because sometimes the AHL will the team like teams will lean into the younger kids just to you know, spice it up a little bit, marketing. Um, which, yeah. And I think that's what they're a, a little bit, what they're doing for, um, Demastro too. Um, he is doing well. He's, he is performing well. Like he plays, he and Alan are, are good together, but, uh, I like him with Kaiser. Oh, Kaiser isn't quite popping off as much as. Oh man. Forget, kind of forgot about why Kaiser for a minute. He's, he's playing well. Yeah. It's just, he's playing quietly. Well, like it's one of those, all of them are, none of them are like, playing great like they're not playing poorly they're just not playing ex- excitingly <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they're um, learning they're they're yeah. working through their stuff they're figuring it out yeah, yeah. hogs aren't great so you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like like they're like their parent club yeah well somehow we got roughly an hour of nhl related discussion mostly out of all the uh everything that's going on with the hawks right now so uh i'm not sure how we did that but that's pretty good so uh went on a tangent about Andrew Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean it feels like, like we i mean me yeah oh it feels like a lot of our discussions like because of the state of the present team like we do we look back a little bit just kind of as a because there is I think it it is. Yeah, you know, I, I try not to do it too much because I would like to let this team be its own thing in its own era and and all that. But it's also like that was a legitimate force that came together that that team that was assembled. So if there's ways we can kind of use that as a measuring stick for what is hopefully getting constructed here in the present, uh, I it's not. I don't think it's a bad idea to do that. But I think just the the tricky part is when you try to assign like the labels of the players then to the players now. Cause it feels like there are, there might be archetypes that are similar, but I don't think they're going to find the exact same type of player. Like I don't even think it's fair to call Connor Bedard, Patrick Kane. Cause I don't think they're both incredible offensive talents, but I think Bedard's might ultimately be better than Kane, which is crazy oh. to say, but that's like, that's what he's supposed to be. So better. better. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's, and we all remember how good Kane was. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we got to uh, reclaim our spot as the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet. And Eric had something like we usually, I feel like a lot of what we do in this space is usually uh, extolling the positive sides of food things and talking about things we liked and enjoyed or whatnot. But I think Eric has an idea much in the opposite direction this evening. So Eric, if you will, please let us know what, uh, what your thought is for tonight. So I was writing something for my pizza newsletter, Chicago pizza news. 
at substack.com uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was in relation to um, Pizza Pizza, which is a Canadian pizza chain, just sponsored the Maple Leafs. So the Pizza Pizza logo is on their helmet for all their home games for the rest of the year. Um, I spent some time in Detroit as a 19-year-old, which means I spent a lot of time in Windsor, Ontario as a 19-year-old. <laughs> and uh, frequently before we would return back to our motherland, we would stop at either Burger King or Pizza Pizza on the way home. Pizza Pizza is the worst pizza I have ever had in my life. And that is even as a drunken 19-year-old understanding just how bad the pizza was. Um, so I was curious. It's there's A lot of people say there's no such thing as bad pizza. And that is true to an extent. But I think there is a level beyond that, which is god-awful pizza. And I think when you have one of them, it really it sticks with you and you remember it. So I will ask the three of you, do you remember the worst pizza you've ever had? And if so, what was it? Uh, I can go first. Cause I, uh, I, I feel like I may have referenced this place before, but I, I don't know where it goes beyond. I know it's there all over central Indiana. Cause that's where I went to college. And I, I know they're still down there. It's called pizza King. And I don't know if this is the entire chain, but the one in particular that I uh, had pizza delivered from once. I don't even remember what town it is in because it's not in Anderson where I was in school. It was from one of the surrounding towns where this Pizza King was located. And it was like the the main topping on the pizza was grease. And it just the greasiest, grossest, most disgusting pizza I've ever had in my life. It made me – I was so uncomfortable after eating it because of all the grease that I had unfortunately and i felt like we did like the paper towel dabbing the grease off but it was there was just no escaping the grease but also we were in college we might have been drunk and we wanted pizza so i was gonna eat it but it was terrible um so pizza king is my nomination i've never heard of that i'm I'm having a hard time coming up with a place because like it's it's easy to say some kind of frozen pizza right but i I don't know i hate Pizza Hut pizza. I think their cheese tastes weird. Um, I know it's like mozzarella, but it doesn't taste like mozzarella. Why does it taste <laughs> like that? Um, and I don't know how often you guys have been to a Chuck E. Cheese, but um, yeah, that's gross. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese pizza is not good. Maybe to a kid, like maybe our taste buds are like completely different. But if you go now, it's, and by now, I mean like I did pre pandemic, I went like more than one time. Um, not good, but I can't think of any, like, there's like a little, there's a little pizza place in my, where I live right now. That is my family likes it. And I think their sauces, I don't understand why it's so sweet. And I'm like, I don't want that sweet of marinara sauce and it's gross. But other than that, I don't, it's always the chain restaurants. I don't think little Caesars is particularly good, but it's not bad quality based on the price. Like yeah, that's that's more about affordability than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're if you're talking about yeah, but well, it's not that you know, bad. No, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if if that's all you can afford, that's the best of the cheap bad pizza. But it's still it's still not good. But yeah, Pizza Hut's like I don't know what it is that they do to their mozzarella, but what what is up with that? It's probably think, frozen, and then whatever they use is like an anti-caking agent, so that it doesn't stick together. Whatever pre yeah, but what is stuff. it different than the other ones? Because like I feel like so Papa John's gets a bad rap sometimes. Um, 
but like their mozzarella doesn't taste near as bad and they're the and i don't even think domino's which also isn't very good pizza um and all of them have to be frozen all the time every one of those chains has to be that way Um, oh yeah absolutely and none of them have that weird almost like cardboardy taste and normally people when they say cardboard they're talking about the bread but no the mozzarella tastes like styrofoamy like how styrofoam smells you know Um, for me, I think I have an answer. It's probably Sabaro. Oh, but the reason is because I worked in a mall for like 10 years where we had a Sabaro. And if I called them and was like, hey, can you guys make us like three or four pizzas? And if it was like, I don't know, if we were doing inventory or something and they just came out, they were okay. But the ones that sit there all day is really gross. Yeah. Michael Scott's favorite pizza place. I was, that's dare exactly you. what I was thinking about. <laughs> well, that's the charm of Michael Scott. He also um, got a, a gourmet hot dog at Hooters. <laughs> I, I actually never minded Sabaros. Like, I only had it every once in a while, and maybe that's why. But I never thought there was I, – well, especially I, they had, like, the stromboli slices – I thought that those ones, those were kind of solid. The, they were but I right. think the reason is because anytime I would get it, it had been sitting there all day. Okay, yeah. That's anytime, probably yeah. why. Any food that's been sitting there for any amount of time is not very good. Like, not I know good, that's not kind not of a caveat, idea. you know, but, like, it's just, it's sitting there under that glass all day. It's like, it's not Subway. Like, you can't yeah. do that. I think, I think Sabaro, I, I would describe it as fine. Like, if you're in a pinch, it, it's usually relatively cheap, so it's not uh yeah, if you just you desperately need something to eat and that's the first thing you see, like it, it's okay. But I would not like if it was lunchtime and I was making plans. I, I oh yeah, I'm not going. Yeah, yeah. I when you but I'm like, I'd rather get it at Costco. Like, why can't they make yeah. it like that? Yeah, Costco's pizza's not bad. That's yeah, it's like decent, and it's huge for what the slice you get. I my. <laughs> my nine-year-old son is dying to eat at Costco. Like he wants to eat there so bad. I've never eaten there. We've never eaten there like as our family, but like I had to go get a couple things today and he was like, dad, can we please go there for dinner? And I'm just, <laughs> well, I don't know about dinner, uh, but yeah, get him a snack, man. Get him a hot dog. I, I don't know why we did this. I, I think we did this to talk about groceries, but when I went to Iceland, the first place we went to was Costco. And so I've heard, I I've heard so many I had, people say that I had a the and I had the first Costco hot dog I'd ever had was in Reykjavik in Iceland. It was it was pretty, I, I I do not know what type of meat it was. It did not taste normal or it did not taste <laughs> like your your traditional like Vienna beef Chicago style hot dog. But it was good. And they just they use like uh, they're big on putting like the crispy onion strings or onion straws uh, as like. They put it would be like the bun and then this like not quite mustard, but not quite horseradish sauce as like the base. And then they put the crispy onion straws down and then they put the hot dog on top of that. And that was your hot dog. Does the store look the same? It it was it was I was disappointed at how similar that Costco was to the ones I'm used to. Uh, Some of the items were different, obviously, but as far as like. Just the the overall like interior vibe of it. I'm like, oh, I've yeah, this is exactly like all the ones I've been to. You know what's funny is when I worked for them, like sometimes I'd be up in like member service at the like where they either like sign people for memberships or all that shit. And so you see people coming in 
And you'd be surprised how many people go to Costco just to eat and then leave. I would not be surprised at all. I I totally from uh, like the bars at like uh, Whole Foods, like the big food bars. People go there. Yeah, it's just funny because like how people watch, and I'm just kind of like, so you're gonna come into this busy ass warehouse where there's no parking just to get a hot dog and like a Pepsi, like or like a soft serve like yogurt. Great. It's weirder people that go Pepsi. There's weirder people that will go through the entire IKEA store to get like some light bulbs and then go eat meatballs. So that's true. That's true. There are people that love to do that. Yeah, my Have brother you- used to manage a movie theater, and he's like the amount of people who come in just to get popcorn and like take it home, or just like not even to the movies just to get that. <laughs> so. Have any of you ever been to seat the table? Uh. Uh-uh. It's a so, so this is like in South Florida. It's a grocery store, but they have like a bar and like kind of like you get food there. It's really interesting, but I like going there when I'm visiting family because you go get a cocktail and then you eat. So you get like a quesadilla or something and then you have a bunch of tequila and then you buy too many groceries. I just I remember like grocery stores that have hot bars or serve food and all that other stuff. And then you've got like my childhood growing up where you're like. You can go around the grocery store and fill up, but only on the samples. You mm. know, that was your grocery meal. That was your dinner at eight. You're like, I ate too many pieces of cheese or little wiener dogs or whatever they had on display. The eight million chips that they're like, please only take one. And you're like, I'm taking 12. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like until somebody looks at you funny, like, you're taking samples. Costco does samples too, though. Yeah. They do. Oh and my god! You ever go to Costco when they're doing samples? It's just—it's absolute chaos. It's a feeding frenzy. This lady uh. almost took me out with her rascal scooter <laughs> today. I feel—it's like a separate company that yeah, comes I, and does that. I feel like it's because right, other regular grocery stores don't do samples very much anymore. Like you know, the Kroger used to do them all the time, and I've never seen a sample in Kroger anymore. Um, well, they usually well, just sample what's on sale. Yeah, and to be fair, I haven't set foot in a Kroger since before the pandemic. Well, I was gonna say, I thought, I thought like the free yeah. samples thing was a a pandemic casualty that we have not had returned back to us. But I feel like even before that, they were like rarer, rarer. That's not, yeah, more rare. Um, Medium but, rare. But I did, I did. I lived in where I lived in Midtown. The closest two stores were a Publix and a Whole Foods, and then Murder Kroger. And I didn't go to Murder Kroger. <laughs> Murder Kroger. Oh. That, was, that was my first podcast. Was yeah. Um, Betsy, Betsy telling me all about Murder Kroger. <laughs> so yeah, like those were my three stores within like a short driving distance. So as you can you can tell, I went I went to Whole Foods more than any other ones. What kind of samples did they give out at Murder Kroger? I don't. Re- that's what I'm saying. I don't remember Blood. them giving out samples. <laughs> um, so they do samples at my li- like local liquor store all the time, and I'm always like, "This seems like a bad idea." Is it Dan Aykroyd and his crystal vodka? No, but that would be fucking hilarious. They used to have the ones that, and this is gonna be very southern, but Piggly Wiggly, the little server like wooden things that had the server were like little pig outline, like little pigs in like chef hats, um, yeah. silhouettes. Uh, so I always thought that was the cutest thing ever. And I, it did one time take 12 
like chips at one time. <laughs> I remember my dad being like, what do you have in your pocket? And I'm like, nacho chips. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if there's a dip serving station somewhere, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, just for convenience. <laughs> I, I I wish I had a map of all the tangents we have embarked on in the last five to ten minutes. And then we so. started about pizza and now yeah. we're... But. Well, well, folks, this is what's going to happen for the final three months of this season, or at least the next month until Connor Bedard gets back, because there just is not much uh, excitement to talk about with this uh, with this team right now. So, uh, hope you enjoy. So talking we're giving about you food. violent grocery stores. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and come back next week to see what we come up with next. Uh, but any other final thoughts before I wrap this episode up? Hell no. Uh, Erica, do you have one or is that, was that a, no, we'll save it. I'll save it for next week. I'll save it for another time. Oh yeah. There we go. What a tease way to, way to get everyone back next week. I oh. literally just went to check to see if murder Kruger, if anybody had died at the new one still, still hasn't oh, well, still called murder Kruger. Nobody's going to take that away from us. No. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of musings on Madison here on the second city hockey podcast network. Thanks to Eric Mill and Betsy for hanging out this evening and for uh, bringing more entertainment than that Blackhawks game did tonight. It was a low bar to clear, but I I think we cleared it. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much for listening and uh, come back next week for whatever Eric was teasing uh, for next week's episode. Cause uh, I'm sure we'll all be waiting with bated breath and uh, we'll talk to you then. 